breaking news and trending talk with Mike and McCarty. Mornings on 1017 FM and 710 Kiel. One zero one seven FM seven ten Keel Mike and McCarty on the Jack Spring Electric Newsmaker Hotline this morning. Uh, Louisiana State Representative Thomas Presley joining us. Thomas, good morning, sir. Good morning, Mike. How are you? We are wonderful. Thanks for taking time to talk with us. Uh, big proposal uh, once again is annual Governor Bill Edwards <laughs> bringing out. Let's raise the minimum wage. I think we're at what seven seven and a quarter. Isn't that the national minimum yeah. wage? Mm-hmm. That's that's correct. Louisiana currently follows and tracks the national minimum wage, and you know, I mean that that's true on on what the government minimum wage. In reality, uh, you know, I've talked to, to multiple business owners in my district, uh, and their average minimum wage is starting around twelve dollars an hour. Um, you know, it, the the free market works. The free market is working, uh, and I don't think we need to touch it. There are at least two bills. One would bump it right directly to $15 an hour. One, I think, is a gradual increase. Um, y'all have voted this down every year, I think, that the gov- this governor's been in office. He's going to try again his last term. Does he have a chance? I, I really don't think he does. Um, we'll see what, what, what the uh, testimony is when he comes to the table during a committee meeting. Um, but but I would be surprised if it were able to get out of committee. Um, you know, I, I think the, the vast majority of our legislators are free market thinkers that believe um, that, that minimum wage jobs are, are the first jobs that many people have. It's an entry-level position. It's not intended to be a long-term position. Uh, and, and one that, again, the free market's showing that, that the minimum wage that the government's imposed uh, is, is not hiring folks anyway. So the, the, the business owners are, are taking the initiative and raising those wages um, to, to start with. Tommy, I want you to repeat what you just said about minimum wage being an entry-level position. Absolutely. And, and it, minimum wage is an entry-level position. It's supposed to be. Um, it's, a, it's a starting spot for folks to, um, to get their foot in the door with a job. Um, and, and, you know... It, it, it's not intended to be a long-term career uh, uh, amount of money that you're you're making. It was never it's intended. To be moving up and moving on. That's see, that's what I said, and I got lambasted. The minimum wage job is not intended to be a job to support a family of four or six. You know, it, it's it's to get you into the job market. But then, if you want more money, then. You make yourself more valuable through education or through, you know, experience or, or job training programs. You don't. No s- doubt. And I think, I mean, when Stephen Wagesback was on yesterday, he talked about the need for folks to, to know how to read and write and be job uh, job ready. Um, and and that, that also includes showing up on time, uh, doing the task as assigned. And I think that that's, you know, that's important as well. And that's something that, that, you know, Louisiana has focused on improving our, our technical colleges um, and community college programs uh, to allow people the skill set needed to be able to move on uh, from those those entry-level jobs to higher-paying wage jobs um, and uh, hopefully build our economy uh, from those. There, there are those that will say, you know, the history buffs will say that FDR 
instituted the minimum wage and said, quote, it should be a living wage. That was then. It's morphed, has it not? He, he, it was put in place to be a living wage, but it's completely morphed in, in all kinds of different varieties. Is that kind of where you are today? Yeah, I certainly don't know the, the historical aspect of, of uh, the, the minimum wage, but what I do know is that the free market works, uh, and it's working. And the, the minimum wage in, in our community and in our state is, is substantially higher than the, the state-imposed minimum wage that we've put in place. Uh, and I think you're going to continue to see that, um, you know, folks that are doing the job, folks that are that are working working hard and um, are, are showing up on time uh, are going to be making more than, than any state-imposed minimum wage, and the free market will work. What do you say to those people who are making the minimum wage, who are struggling to make to, to try to make it, you know, f- or having to work two jobs at minimum wage? What do you say to those folks, uh, Representative Presley? Yeah, absolutely. I think you know. I I think as as we look at at um, our jobs in our area, we need to do more to uh, increase uh, our skill sets, um, and we need to make sure that we're bringing in and creating an atmosphere in Louisiana. Uh, and a culture in Louisiana that, that allows for businesses to grow and thrive. Um, and as we do so, we're going to see the natural minimum wage continue to grow um, as more people are needed for those positions. Um, but but our, our community is, is one that is, is strong, um, and, and we need to, uh, you know, there, there are lots of jobs out there. If folks aren't happy with their, with their current position, keep looking. Um, keep doing the, the the things that are that are important to um, you know building that culture. Uh, be on time, work hard, um, you know, and 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 do what's right, and and you can continue to to move up and continue to to build your skill set to be able to have a higher higher paying wage. And and basic economics dictates that if if a, an item costs more to produce then that item is going to cost more to purchase. If, if, if a business has to pay a higher rate, uh, a higher wage to, to sell a hamburger, then that burger is going to cost more. Who's going to pay for that? You and I are. It, it, it's, it's not this altruistic gesture on the governor's behalf. It, it, that cost is going to be passed on to the consumer. That's absolutely right, and you're also going to see more and more um, automation in, in those lower-wage uh, positions to start with. So you won't have as many entry-level jobs, and it'll actually end up hurting uh, low-skill workers. Cato Institute has a, a great paper out uh, on that, for example, and, and the, the significant job loss that, that would likely come uh, with, with increasing minimum wage to a, a standard that is um, you know, already – uh, we already know that inflation is is costing a lot to consumers, um, and inflating wages will continue to do that. That's a great point because you can go into Circle K now, and they've got scanners that you place your item on a counter. It mm-hmm. scans it, rings it up for you. Yep. You don't you don't even need the the cashier anymore. And I asked what the girls one time. I said, "Are you worried that you know they're they're replacing you?" They didn't seem concerned at all about it. Um, grocery stores have mm-hmm. self-checkouts now. They, I had a robot bring me a burger at a restaurant the other day. They don't ask for a raise. The scanners <laughs> don't ask for vacation time. And, this and sounds like medical. it might cost jobs, Thomas. That's what you're saying, huh? 
I, I think that's certainly a, a possibility. But, I mean, again, I think, you know, as we look at the, the current state of, of minimum wage, you know, the, the free market works and it's working. Um, we know that the jobs that are that are available now are, are starting higher than the state imposed minimum wage. One hundred one seven FM, seven ten Keel, Mike and McCarty. All right, progress moving forward on the Jimmy Davis Bridge, sort of Linear <laughs> Park and the Frisbee Golf Course. They're going to put up there, oh, man. and the dog park and basketball courts and pickleball oh, courts. You're so bad. You're bad. Well, they had a big uh, Zoom meeting yesterday, and we were and we were on a meeting. So I was trying to watch two meetings at once. Yeah. And um, I was struggling. I was on the struggle bus because me and computers, you know, we get get along halfway. Um, so they were unveiling the bids for a new four-lane Jimmy Davis bridge. So they're going to build it right next to the current bridge, going to build a four-lane bridge. Brand right. spanking new, butamus, all that. And then they're going to take the old bridge and turn it into a linear park. So that's still progressing. That's still the plan. Mm-hmm. Okay. So they opened the bids yesterday for that project. Now they had talked about it was going to cost about two twenty-five to two hundred and fifty million. Okay, keep that price in your mind. Okay. Okay. Because we opened bids at nine yesterday morning, nine thirty or so, and the bid came in from. The Thal Construction Company at four hundred and seventy-four million, twice as much as we planned. Okay, then they opened the second bid, the second um, responsive bidder, James Construction Group, and their bid was three hundred and sixty-one million dollars. So that's the low bid. Uh, 1,700 days to complete, which is four years. We were told earlier it would be two to three years possibly to get it done. But I think this is absolutely from first scoop of dirt to the linear park is open. So four years to get it all done at a price tag of $361 million. Um, and, and, you know, we would, we'd been, do, do we have enough money? That's the big problem, and I'm I'm not sure. I was gone when Sean Wilson announced his retirement or resignation. Is he gone already? I don't. Or know. is he in? Did he give notice? Because I need to shoot him a text, and I'm not sure if he's. A, I'll, I'll shoot him a text in a little bit and see. Because I want to get an update on you know. Hey, is this too high? Is this out of line? Um, or can we move? Can we move on this? Is this price tag okay? Three hundred and sixty-one. Are these million. state funds? The, these are state funds, though, yeah, right? They're going to get some federal matching funds, obviously. And, and for, federal, mm-hmm. okay. So, the, so that's whole, just free money. <laughs> <laughs> that's just magic money. But we don't have that much. We didn't budget that much for this project. So, where do you take it from? Do you take it from another project in Northwest Louisiana, i.e., the inner city connector, uh, interstate overlay? Um, what do you take it from? If you need a hundred million more than you budgeted, a hundred million more than you budgeted, where are you going to get it? Um, I know people are opposed to this or think it's silly, but mm-hmm. what are our options? That you can't redo it. It's not. It's not 
It's an historic bridge. You can't. We did can't I blow it up. We can't tear it down. There are there are some things you can do, um, and we'd have to have to talk with State Rep. Cedric Glover because he's really on top of this. There are some ways you can get the feds to let you tear it down, but you have to make sure that you you can't just let that stuff float down the river. You've got to clean then it all up. How much is that going to cost? That's the thing. How I much mean, is that going to cost? You're probably looking at several. Hundred million just to destroy it, right? And and I know you know people that um, on our message board over the last couple of years have just blasted this linear park that this is just a waste of twenty five million or fifty million, whatever it's going to cost. Nobody's going to use it. There won't be a place to park. You know, I don't know. I, I you know, I think it's kind of unique and kind of cool. I I'm not opposed to it. I think it like you. I think it's kind of cool. I think mm-hmm. I think people will take advantage of it it'll it'll be something different right now obviously you know we're not having basketball courts and pickleball court i, I was being silly i'm thinking bungee jumping is a good idea i think that's pretty fun that yeah, would be cool i think that'd be kind of cool but you know if you're and i don't know I, you know I, I ride bike bike bikes very casually i'm not a bike aficionado i'm not riding 20 mile is that a, is do bike would bike riders love that would you love to have a cool linear park that has a bike lane across it that you can ride both parkways and then go across this park maybe at the top you stop and have your water you have a snack whatever i'd like to see some proposed drawings mm-hmm. and then kind of get an idea of what we're looking at yeah i mean is it just going to be paved the whole way is are there going to be grassy areas gra- yeah. yeah green areas mm-hmm. I, i'm interested to see how they're what the plans are for that. Yeah, where is the money coming from, though? That's the other question. <laughs> mm. It's magic money. Yeah. It's federal money. It's going from the bridge. <laughs> Lovette Fuller spoke with us uh, yesterday concerning uh, council business, and we'll talk with her. Uh, you'll hear that conversation at 640 with Mike and McCarty. 1017 1017 FM 710 Keel, Mike and McCarty. Have you had crawfish yet? Have you? Just my crawfish etouffee that I made. Okay. That was from China. But, um, we, my, when Mike, my daughter was here, we always try to go. Mm-hmm. And I spent, like, I was in the triple digits. <laughs> I'm not going to do dinner. it. I, well, when I'm in a, while I'm in a sling, I'm not going to do it because you're going to spray crawfish juice on the sling. And my sling will forever smell like crawfish. So I either have to take the sling off. I don't see the downside off. to that. <laughs> I don't want to smell like crawfish 24-7. <laughs> no, I understand. Oh, but I could take it off, perhaps, and then the doctor will get on to me. But, uh, you know, i got to be careful. Well, they have come down. They're steady, I think, around, you know, five, six bucks a pound for boiled. Okay. Um, so it's not bad. But we there's something kind of cool that we're doing right now. Um, three pounds of boiled crawfish from... One, two, three, four, five, six different locations. That's eighteen pounds. Eighteen pounds, and it's uh, um, it's a hundred bucks. You get eighteen pounds of crawfish. That's already a bargain. Mm-hmm. But you'll also get uh, uh, daiquiris, two daiquiris from Daiquiri Express, and a king cake from K- Tubbs Cajun Gifts. Wow! Yeah, you can go to Bojacks and get three pounds from Bojacks. Uh, chuck wagon crawfish, Couillon's Cajun crawfish, crabby crawfish, little animals crawfish, seafood, and more, and Shane's seafood and barbecue. Wow. Yeah. Now that deal's going to run out. You need to snap it up. It's a man. 
SeizeTheDeal.com. You can also, I think we've got a link on our website, KeelNews.com. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a great deal. Take advantage of that. Mm-hmm. 101.7 FM, Levette Fuller coming up next, 710. One hundred one seven FM seven ten Keel Shreveport City Council moved very quickly on filling Kendra Joseph's position, mm-hmm. clerk of council. Yep, they created a brand new position of a PR liaison position mm-hmm. that basically just that, from what I understand, says well, uh, they're going to inform the public on council business. Yeah, we're going to talk about that throughout the morning, but we're still kind of talking a little bit about the uh, council chairman james green's dressing down of a citizen who came before the council um to raise concerns about the those positions uh john glover went before the council and james green just lit her up and we caught up with former council member lavette fuller to talk to her about that and the actions of the now council chair I was watching the council meeting yesterday, and we, we most people listening may not know John Glover. I think she ran for school board. She asked to be appointed to the city council in the, the Allen Jackson seat, but was not selected. But she gets up, and she comes to a lot of the council meetings and is critical and points out problems, issues. Yesterday, Council Chairman James Green went off on her, um, chastising her. I mean, how would you describe what he did? Um, I think they call it a dressing down. So, a dressing down. Like, he really just kind of, uh, he went, he kind of went off on her, as the kids would say. Um, what I saw was someone taking full advantage of whatever authority they feel was in that gavel to demean a member of the public. That's a voter. That's a resident. That's a taxpayer. To demean uh, somebody who is paying your salary, to me, was way over the edge. Am I wrong? Well, listen, I think that this is sort of a culture that's been brewing for a long time, like even preceding my time on the council, where certain members of the council feel like there are characters less than humans that are getting in the way of what they feel is important. Um, There are people that don't want to hear from Mr. Sammy. There are people who just think that rabble-rousers don't deserve the same space time as people that they see as concerned citizens. But the truth is everyone deserves to be heard. Um, And that's a public forum. It's one of the few public forums we have that everyone should have access to. So I think that maybe a storm has been brewing for a while, and that level of entitlement among some public servants has just been kind of, an undercurrent that is just now becoming more obvious. Um, yeah, without calling any names, there's mm. definitely been people that have, I mean, look, they've, we've changed the format of the meetings. It used to be that you could hear things that were germane to the agenda only on Mondays and then again in the Tuesday early comments. And then there was a later comment, public comment at the end of the meeting for people to just address whatever issues they had at the Tuesday meeting. Now you only get three minutes total on the Monday meeting to talk about things that are agenda and non-agenda items and only agenda items on the Tuesday meeting. What was the reason for making those changes? Mm. The first change was made because early on in our, um, early on in our 
council era, you know, four or five years ago, they just didn't want to have to hear from certain rabble rousers twice in a meeting. So they changed it. Mm. They didn't want to hear from the public twice in a meeting. So they changed it. They happened to change that when I was out on a surgery. I remember watching the meeting saying they know that if I was there, I would say something about yeah. it. Uh, we're con- talking with the uh, former councilwoman, Lavette Fuller. Uh, Lavette, he made a comment during his, as you say, dressing down to John Glover, that uh, we are all elected officials up here. Well, I wonder if he mm-hmm. knows what that means. I think he might have a different perspective on what being an elected official means. Uh, you can probably go back to several meetings when things come up, like one changes to the agenda. Um, changes to the time of council meetings. When we brought it up once that maybe we should try to change the time of council meetings or add extra meetings to deal with just awards and stuff because that would speed meetings up. And then those meetings, he have one thing to say about how this is the time that he's allotted to this. This is the only time that he's allotted to this. And other than that, I'm a dignitary that's here for cutting ribbons. And then when you, but wait, but fast forward to, oh, now we need this additional um, we need this additional employee because we have a lot of really hard work to do. We need somebody to help us with it. Yeah. So, yeah, I think you're right, Mike. Lovett, that that me, kind of sums it up. Let me get a little history from you because I think, Miss Glover, we're talking about John Glover, who was the who's a community activist who goes before the school board. He, he acted like she didn't go before anybody. She goes to all the meetings, folks. She goes to the commission meetings. She goes to the school board. She is a she's a busy, busy Business woman. Business association yes, meetings. Absolutely. Yes. Um, but it's the joy of being semi-retired. Yeah. And you know what? We should all be so lucky to live that long and to have that kind of time on our hands. Boy, they don't want, want they don't want involved. me they don't want me retired and I start showing up at these meetings. I'm telling you, I was so pissed yesterday. But let me let me say John Glover's one of her main issues was that um the former clerk of council who resigned abruptly was handpicked by Mr. Green, and he wanted to deny that. He wanted to say that th- that person was voted on by, yes, she was voted on by the council members, but isn't it true that he found her, he handpicked her, you guys didn't advertise for that position, this was the candidate he wanted? Is that accurate? I think that that pretty much sums up my perspective on it. If any other council members met with her, it wasn't publicly um, I'm quite sure that at least uh, Councilman Butcher and Councilman Nicholson and I never were introduced to her until she was presented at the meeting. We saw her uh, we saw her resume by email prior, but it wasn't even attached to the resume. Uh, I'm sorry, to the agenda of the meeting where she was introduced. And then we voted on her with no other public option. The me- it was not ever publicly um presented or advertised for any other candidates right that's the word i'm looking for i need more coffee but that job was never advertised and she was brought to us solo and you'd have to get councilman butcher to corroborate this but when he asked what we were going to do about selecting a new clerk it was oh i've got somebody that we're going to come we're going to i've got somebody that i'm talking to that will come present to you Mm. that all happened off the book i mean this is I mean, I guess that amounts to hearsay, but that's the way that I recollect it. So, Lovett, who does the the council chair answer to? <laughs> does anybody call him out on, you know, disrespectful behavior? I think that the best way to look at this is going to be in the rules um, for the council within the charter and how you select a chair and if you're able to select a new chair midstream. 
I don't think that you have to keep the same chair for 12 months. And it might be that a certain number of council members can come forward and say, we want to nominate somebody else at six months and do that. I think that that would be probably the most formal way of addressing something like that, other than trying to sanction someone. I don't know if we have rules for sanctions, but I don't think that anyone actually calls him out. I think it would take, if there's someone in the community that he respects and regards that could come forward and say, Brother James, I think you need to simmer down. That might be what it takes. Um, but I don't know who those people are, but I don't think they exist on the council. Would you, He's would you? The, he, he presents himself as a selfish statesman. Yeah, and he's he and he's leading them by their noses. Several of the council members. He's just telling them all what to do. When are they going to get tired of it and say, "Look, you were over the line, sir"? I don't want to editorialize to that level, but you, you kind of get the feeling that he was uh, he was um, nominated for the position at that first meeting after holding it for the last year. He does seem like he's doing a little bit more publicly as far as speaking with the media this year. So I don't know. I mean, I don't know what the undercurrent might be what's happening off stage with that entire group but he definitely seems to have an allegiance with at least three of the democrats mm, yeah well it was sad to watch it it, it degraded was that diplomatic enough of me Erin? because i realized yeah. you don't have me on a complete pot stirring segment right now i know and, um, I, and i you know and i know you probably are are way more um, upset about it than you are showing, which I, I find... Well, I'll say this. I did write to Miss John. Miss John and I have, like, disagreed on things respectfully in the past, and I've definitely had my share of impatience with some of the some of the viewpoints that she takes, but it's always respectful, and at the end of the day, I appreciate and admire anyone that shows up as much as she does and asks genuine questions because they want answers. And they probably are asking questions that other people want answers to as well. And the thing is, when she comes in on a fact-finding mission, she rarely editorializes. Mm-hmm. She, she might sound, she might sound, he called her sound like somebody's grandma. And I joke about the aunties. I consider myself to be an auntie. But the thing is, in our world, an auntie or a grandmother is an elder that we have regard and respect for. That's not someone who is talking down to us or admonishing us. That's someone who is purely trying to give guidance when guidance is necessary. Mm-hmm. So the idea, there's some misogyny, I feel, in the way that, that that term was being used yesterday. It's if we don't have regard for elder women in our community, the role they play, the experience they bring, and when they give us guidance, it's usually for good reason, and we should actually be thankful that we're getting it. So, yeah, I have a problem with that. Because it's the same person that said the reason that we needed to get an inexperienced recycler with only Alexis to her name was because she was a black woman and he wanted to support black women. Make it make sense. See, I was trying not to. Shopping in ovens, I like you. 1017 FM 710 Keel. Coming up next hour, in fact, just after the news at the top of the hour, uh, Lieutenant Governor Billy Nungesser joining us on the Jack Spring Electric Newsmaker Hotline. Lots of things. Had a great Mardi Gras season. Crawfish season underway. Mm-hmm. Lots of stuff going on. We'll find out what he's got to say coming up just after the news. Mike and McCarty. 1017 FM 710 
1017 FM 710 Keel. Mike and McCarty, and on the Jack Spring Electric Newsmaker Hotline, Lieutenant Governor Billy Nungesser, the man with the greatest job in the world. If if I had any name recognition, man, I would run. I'd, I'd run for your job. <laughs> well, wait, Tom Kennedy. Yeah. <laughs> oh, you don't have to worry. <laughs> You've got a great job. We uh, we just wrapped up. Uh, I think, a, from what I can gather, a very successful Mardi Gras season. Uh, Shreveport Bossier record crowds. Yeah, I, I think we're going to see record crowds when all the numbers in statewide. Um, we anticipated this uh, after the Rose, the Macy's and Rose Parade, seeing traffic to our website bookings skyrocketing all over Louisiana. And I think having the Queens and and the representative from every part of the state, the young lady from Shreveport representing Shriners Hospital, ce- celebrating 100 years of that incredible hospital. Um, but talking about all the Mardi Gras all over the state, uh, interviewing all over the country and the world at the Rose Parade for three days uh, prior to that parade really got people excited about coming to Louisiana. Okay, the the parades in New Orleans, there were there were a lot of concerns about security, but crowds still showed up to the Crescent City this year, huh? It really did, but you know we've got to get a grip on it. Um, and and you know I'm very outspoken. Uh, they they arrested 19 people, and they let took their guns and let them go home. One with a loaded machine gun. If someone comes to your house and you have a loaded machine gun and not a special permit, you go to jail. This person was carrying it on the street, and they let him go home. Um, that's why they got a crime problem. They don't put anybody in jail. And, um, and until that stops, and the DA and the judges uh, crack down, the same people are committing crimes over and over. Don't spend any time in jail till they kill somebody. Billy, you know when I when my boys were young, they're grown men now, and but when they were young, it was nice to take a, a weekend getaway to New Orleans and take them to the the aquarium and and to the World War II museum and to, and to the the park and the zoo. I, I would be if I were a parent today with young children, I would second guess that weekend getaway. Is that going to be devastating for New Orleans? It already is. You know, I, I hold my breath every day waiting for one of these famous restaurants to say, we've had enough. Um, we've got to make a change quickly. There's several clubs that are operating down there that doesn't attract uh, the crowd we want down there. Um, you know, every now and then they'll run out of those clubs and start shooting people. Um, we've, got to, we've got to clean it up. And, um, you know, that's why we made an attempt to have legislation passed to make it a state park or a special state historical district and manage it with a new board uh, set up with people that live and work there to make sure we clean it up and make it safe. There's not enough voters down there. Um, they've got to realize it's important to a state asset. Um, and, and, and if people quit going there, it's going to affect tourism to the whole state. And that's why I'm so proud of, of our team all over the state, the tourism folks, Treeport all the way down to Morgan City, Homa, that helped us promote Mardi Gras, family-friendly, safe, affordable Mardi Gras in every corner of the state. And despite uh, the problems in New Orleans, we're seeing visitors come to every part of Louisiana. 
Well, you've got to have strong leadership. You've got to have strong city leadership. Chicago just recently voters uh, have elected to make a change. And, you know, I don't know, maybe it'll happen in New Orleans and, and we'll get somebody that's going to be uh, proactive in, in getting a handle on crime. Because as New Orleans goes, goes the state of Louisiana. Absolutely. And, you know, uh, they did get enough signatures for the recall. They are certifying them now. And if things go as they should, uh, there'll be a recall election. Hopefully the governor will call it sooner rather than later because uh, I don't think we could, uh, you know, the, the city is in, 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 a, in a spiral spin and it's not good. And uh, with all the positive things going on in Louisiana, we surely need a shakeup in New Orleans to change things. Billy, let's turn our attention to one of the other things for the spring that makes Louisiana so exceptional. It's our crawfish. And I'm going to make a public confession today that I, I'm i not eating boiled crawfish right now because, you know, I've been uh, home on medical leave with a sling, I have a sling on my arm, so I don't want crawfish juice on my sling. So I got some, craw- <laughs> I got some crawfish tails, and, and, and the package said Boudreaux's. So I thought, cool, this is Louisiana. I get it home, it ain't. It's no. it's this fake Chinese bullschnoggle. What what makes it real Louisiana crawfish? We got to look for that, don't we? You really do. Let me tell you, they, they've gotten really smart and they've bought in names that sound Louisiana, sound Cajun, um, and you know it's a big thing right now. We're asking people to ask when they go in a restaurant: Is it Louisiana? Is it local? And um, and also in the stores, they've gotten very uh, we know, packaged in China, but it says Louisiana uh, Bayou Crawfish, but it's not. And so uh, they've been very uh, slick in, in packaging this stuff, but there is definitely a difference. And we're, we're fighting right now uh, under the Seafood Promotion Board, trying to get our delegation to introduce legislation that they will charge five or ten cents a pound for imported seafood. That will allow them to hire thousands of inspectors because right now we inspect less than 5% of that seafood come in the country. And some of it is rejected because it's grown in unsafe conditions. Mm. So if you saw where this stuff was grown, you surely would eat it. Yeah, so we want the federal government to do their job and inspect more. I've I've seen products like so hot sauce that has Louisiana in the name, and it's 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 bottled in New Jersey or something. It's... <laughs> they're they're trying to capitalize on our good name, Lieutenant Governor. I, yeah, I, we got some work to do there. I've got a question on. Uh, of course, we're talking about crawfish season. What is this? Is this pardoning of crawfish? What what is is that like the pardoning of the turkey at Thanksgiving at the White House? <laughs> yeah, I actually came up with that after hearing the president when I first got elected bragging about this turkey running around the. And I said, why don't we just pardon the crawfish? <laughs> so every year. For the last seven years, the first Tuesday after Mardi Gras, we take one lucky crawfish out to Louisiana swamps. We give him a police escort to a location. <laughs> this year it was in Bro Bridge. And, and we pardon him and let him live his life out in a state park while the rest of his family gets balled alive. Mm, wow. Wow. <laughs> and, and Ouch. It, it, it brings a lot of attention to an incredible industry, a lot of men and women. We've got over a thousand farmers in Louisiana produce more crawfish than anywhere in the world. Brokerage is the crawfish capital of the world. So we were able to have a school 
escort that crawfish down to the riverbanks. We pardoned him, uh, ate some crawfish, and uh, and celebrated the incredible season we have in Louisiana that uh, that brings those mud bugs uh, out the ground. They're so good. My favorite time of year, mud bug season. Can you hold on for another segment for us? Absolutely. We'll talk a little bit about the uh, the linear park on the Jimmy Davis Bridge with the Lieutenant Governor Billy Nungesser, Mikey McCarty, 1017 FM 7. One oh one seven FM seven ten Keel Mike and McCarty on the Jack Spring Electric Newsmaker Hotline. Lieutenant Governor Billy Nungesser joining us. Uh Lieutenant Governor, we've got uh, an, an issue here. I say an issue. There's there's some discussion on mm-hmm. this uh Jimmy Davis Bridge project being converted into a linear park. And and let me stay. I I well, I like the idea. I think it's something different. I think it's something that could be a destination. Um it, you know, I'd like to see some some plans on on what they propose to do, but but I like the concept. What 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 do you, what can you tell us about this? Well, I always want to support what the local community wants to do. I never want to come in and say we want to do this. We did meet and agree to manage the park uh, as a state park to make sure it's maintained, kept up, help with the management of it. Uh, and to promote it just like we do our state parks as a place to come, read a book, view the river. Uh, I think it, I agree with you. I think it would be a nice attraction as more and more people are getting bikes and doing outdoor activities. We're actually attracting, uh, bike riding groups from all over the world that come here to ride like the Tammany Trace and bike trails. And we're working to connect more of our trails together all over Louisiana. So we would absolutely promote it, help make it safe, clean, and 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 keep it up in in a cooperation with the uh, with the city. But um, and I've had a couple meetings and and offered that help. Um, but I think the 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 local uh, people, businesses, and community needs to. Uh, to embrace it and want it, and we surely will support it. The bids came in way over what they were budgeted. I, I guess that that'll be up to the DOTD to figure out how they're going to manage that. But what will be the responsibility? I mean, you're not going to have cleaning crews every day up on the bridge, so the locals are going to have to have some buy-in to go up there and empty the trash cans, and if they're going to close gates, close the gates daily, et cetera. So there's kind of going to have to be a cooperative effort, right? Right, and I believe the day-to-day uh, emptying garbage cans will fall into the city hands. And I know we've been uh, sending people to meetings with them, long-term maintenance and things, liability um, on the state park system and things like that to help relieve some of that financial burden from the city is what our discussions were about. And, um, and then the state, uh, I believe, is committing uh, some some you know, the the upkeep on the long-term maintenance as well because it saves them money from having to to remove the bridge and or limit the other bridge they're building. So um, we're going to work with it. Uh, Next time we talk, I'll give you an update. I did want to mention something. All right. Um, You know, this Mardi Gras season, um, you know, in 1983, we only had one crew over a 1,000 members, and that was in Dimian. Today, we have over 15 with over 1,000 members. And the largest crew, the crew of Iris, with 3,709 members, 
was founded my, by my great-great-aunt, Nungesser, who was the first woman ever to march in Mardi Gras. Yeah. She marched, and people threw rocks at her and said, women can't march. Her and five of her friends, and she came back the next year and marched again and actually started women involvement in Mardi Gras. And in Shreveport, when I rode last year, one of the queens of the crew had bought her costume at a used costume place in Shreveport and had it fit for her to wear Mardi Gras last year, and it's got her name inside that old costume. Wow, so that's that was awesome. Oh, that's so cool. That is fascinating. Uh, Billy, how many parades did you ride in this year, and did you flip anybody off? No, but I had five parades. I rode in the Mad Hatters with three of the officers that manned the USS Louisiana nuclear submarine from um, uh, Washington. They had the time of their life, even though it was cold and raining like it was when I rode in Shreveport last year. I must attract the rain. Yeah. So I kept it down here for y'all. And then we rode Mardi Gras Day in August with some travel riders from all over the country that went back home and they're going to write about the best time of their life. Oh. So uh, we got a chance to share that with the world. I know Shreveport had a whole group of travel writers that I came up and spoke to that they got to enjoy Mardi Gras up there, and they'll be going back home to write about their incredible time. When we can bring those travel writers in town and they can experience it firsthand, the stories they write encourage people to come here. It's something you got to see. It's better than any advertising. But my hat's off to the tourism folks in Bossier Shreveport because they did a great job hosting those writers, and that will pay dividends for years to come, tourists coming to the Shreveport Bossier area. Lieutenant Governor Billy Nungesser, we thank you for your time. We know you're on a tight schedule, but uh, we appreciate your work. Thank you, my friend. Y'all have a great week. Thanks. You too, sir. 1017 FM. some biscuits with mustard mm. when did sling blade get a job here dang reckon i'm gonna kill you with it mm. <laughs> i don't know my i guess i guess my monster drink has kicked in i've been oh, doing boy. really weird voices gosh my kid sent me to the store the other day to get him a red bull and i don't drink red bull I just derailed you. I'm sorry. And I go, I go into a store, you know, that has a. And I said, "Where will I?" He goes, "It's in the cooler, in the you know, in the back." So you did it? Well, yeah. I was, you know, trying to be helpful. I had to go by the store anyway. I said, oh, "Hey, okay. I'm on the way." What? And he goes, "Yeah, get me a Red Bull." And I said, "What flavor?" And he typed OG. So I'm looking for like orange genius Red Bull or orange OG Red Bull. I don't know either. Uh, I. I, I is it just original? Yes. That, that's what it turned out to be. But I did, I'm searching every. I'm pulling every can out. There's a hundred flavors of Red Bull. Who knew? Yeah. When yeah. did that oh, happen? Yeah. Oh yeah. When did the blue and silver can change into eighty I, different varieties? I do the uh, sugar free, so there's there's more limited quantity. And I even asked the clerk who was stocking some of the drinks. I said, "Which one is the OG Red Bull?" And he goes. I don't know. I, I mean, he, he didn't know what he meant by he meant original gangster Red Bull. Original I guess original gangster. Yes. Is so, what OG my means. my friend, had, his wife sent him to the grocery store to get ingredients. He had the recipe written out, or she had the recipe written out, or printed out, 
And so he's going and gathering, okay, I got to get, you know, these, all these ingredients. Mm-hmm. And he finally, he's walking around the store and he calls her and he says, I can't find the yield. <laughs> and she goes, what? He goes, I can't find the yield. She goes, what are you talking about? Oh. He said, yield four cups. <laughs> she said she stopped a moment and goes, I almost sent him to the, mo- to the store manager. Oh, <laughs> no. Goes, but I didn't do that to him. Mm. <laughs> so, yeah. It's an so OG much yield. Yield. It's how much the recipe makes. Oh, it yields. I, I was thinking that was an ingredient. I was like, Well, yeast? so was he. Yeah. No, yield. Okay. Ye- oh, okay. Got you. My bad. Okay, <laughs> okay. I'm a dingbat. I'm, I'm you. I'd still be looking for yield. Where is it? Sorry. Oh, no, I love it. I love it. <laughs> Shreveport City Council uh, wasted no time filling these positions, and we'll tell you about uh, who they selected coming up next. Mike and McCarty. This is one I never watched. I never watched. You would so love it. Knight Rider. <laughs> I'm more of a quantum leap guy. <laughs> Never saw that either. <laughs> oh. More of an Andy Griffith guy. Mm-hmm. 101.7 FM 710 Keel, Mike and McCarty. And um, yesterday, city council in their meeting approved, elected, dictated. Anointed. An- mm-hmm. <laughs> anointed. Uh, two new positions. Of course, clerk of council. Uh, the position vacated by Kendra Joseph abruptly last week. Uh, a rather scathing resignation letter mm-hmm. that she sent to the to the council and to the to the uh, city officials. Uh, she was disrespected. She was minimized. She was underutilized, undermined. Uh, yeah, I'm not not painting the council in a good light. Mm-mm. Fighting amongst themselves, right? So she left. Now there are those who say she shouldn't have been there to begin with. Mm-hmm. I. I, I, I'm I'm honestly not familiar enough with her performance to say yay or nay. I, I just think you open the process up. You find the best candidate, and that's not how they handled it. Um, you know, he he was she was handpicked by the chairman, mm-hmm. uh, as many council members have told me. Um, he told them, "I have someone in mind for this job," and so they didn't open it up. They didn't open it up to see you know who else could be a now, great is, spot. Is that the same procedure that just took place? Pretty much. Pretty much the same. Shenerica. Okay. Shenerica Mm -hmm. Flemings Mm -hmm. is now the clerk of council. Yes. She was was a candidate for director of council affairs. She was one of the six candidates for that post. And then when Kendra Joseph abruptly resigned last week, she withdrew her name from that position and then inquired about becoming the clerk of council. And apparently she got enough of the council members on board. And they appointed her yesterday. I think it was a five to two vote. Let's see. Tabitha Taylor, yay. Councilman Gary Brooks, yay. Mm -hmm. Talaferro, nay. Grayson Butcher, nay. Alan Jackson, yay. James Green, yay. And Ursula Bowman, yay. Now, I do want to say Mr. Talaferro and Mr. Butcher you know, made it made it very clear to Miss Flemings that this was not a nay vote on her. 
and her capabilities. It was more a nay vote on the process that they would have preferred. Let's open it up. Let's see if there are other candidates. Take applications. Take applications. Slow the roll a little bit. And uh, they said it was nothing on your qualifications. I truly, you know, I, I think she's qualified for the post. But now she you, was Mayor Perkins, former Mayor Perkins. Uh, chief counsel, uh, chief advisor. Is right, that correct? Right. And and you must remember, I know we have short memories, she was the one who directed the change in insurance. It was she who said, sign off on the change in insurance for the city of Shreveport before Adrian Perkins was ever our mayor. Day or two before, she went to the risk manager and said, hey, sign off on this. We're moving forward with a change. And so, I mean, she started the ball rolling on mayor perkins's first stub of his toe now obviously she was directed to do that by the 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 mayor perkins but i mean it would have been nice if she just said hey let's wait and do it you know when you're we're actually you're actually the mayor so you know there are there are people who say she didn't handle some things correctly and we'll have to see how she does in this role i'm hopeful that she will run the council office much like art thompson did when he, he was there 30-plus years, 40 years, um, it was a well-oiled machine. He knew, he knew the rules of city government. He knew the charter. He knew the open meetings law. Um, she, is, you know, she is an attorney. Hopefully, she will know the rules. The other position is um, the one that I'm a little bit concerned about is... Um, Director of Council Affairs. Mm-hmm. Basically a PR position, six-figure right. job, mm-hmm. to uh, educate the public, according to Dr. Alan Jackson telling us a few weeks ago, mm-hmm. uh, educate the public on the council on council business. Yes. This time tomorrow, Dr. Jackson will be joining us in studio, and we'll talk to him more about that. Um, this person will report to all seven council members. I'm worried. It's a tough gig. R.J. Johnson's been appointed. On a four to three vote, I believe. Uh, R.J. Yes, uh, T- uh, Tabitha Taylor, yay. Gary Brooks, nay. Jim Talaferro, nay. Grayson Butcher, nay. Alan Jackson, James Green, and Ursula Bowman all voted yay. Mm-hmm. So he will step in probably right away, start getting his feet wet, and start doing some of the bidding for the council now, members. Now another applicant did get uh, a, a vote. Mm-hmm. Three uh, votes, yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, uh, Tony Nations, they did propose a vote for one of the other applicants right uh, uh tony uh tony nations and he 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 lost obviously mm-hmm. he, he got three votes uh, and yeah, four to three uh, so it was um you know they'll move forward now kind of you know in in a way i kind of glad that they put it behind them and now we'll see what that person's going to do what Mike, the role is mike and mccarty 1017 fm 710 1017 FM 710 Keel, Mike and McCarty. I want to change gears just a little bit. The other day, I was at uh, a, a major drugstore chain in the parking lot. It was on the corner of Uri and Kings Highway. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, w- I had just parked, and, and there were several people sitting in a car in the parking lot. 
And as I as I was driving around the corner, the, the one of the windows went down, and just like a whole bag of stuff just plopped. Oh no! Right into the parking lot. Oh. And Aaron, so I, I you know I, I gave him the look, the half look. Pull into my parking space, and I, and I was sitting there a minute, contemplating whether or not I'm going to take a picture. Right. Then another window on the other side of the car, or no, no the door opens up, uh. and another bag, just just fast food, cups, right into the parking lot. Golly. Who's and supposed I, to pick that up? Well, and that's that's just it. The complete lack of consideration for anybody other than yourself so I'm sitting there in a, and I'm contemplating whether or not I should go over and just say, "Hey, hey, you you uh, you dropped something," mm-hmm. you know, yeah. like hey, not going, "Hey, right. you dirt bag," but you might get shot. So I'm sitting here. I'm going. I'm not going to change their behavior. No. Nope. Nope. Anything I say is not going to. They're not going to go. Oh, you know what? You're right. Yeah. Think about somebody else is going to have to come along here and clean all this up. And in the meantime, uh, nobody probably is. Right. It's going to right. get squished and strewn about. And it looks like crap. Excuse me for saying I that. I know. Somebody will have to come out and be a good Samaritan and pick it up. And then the people who toss it out don't they still sitting care. there. Or I, uh. or I would have. I have done that before. And I, and I got to thinking, is there something that is okay, like if you're driving, to toss out the window? Like, I I, I, I eat an apple on the mm-hmm. way into work in the mornings, early mornings. I don't, have a, I don't have a huge issue with that. It's, you know, it, now, a bird might get it, might be, now, you know, it's biodegradable. I, I won't throw food out like a banana peel or an apple core right. on the highway. Because if an animal is attracted to it, I don't want them drawn to the high. I wait until I get to an area where there's a lot of grass. Gotcha. And I will toss an apple core out the window. Mm-hmm. If I'm wrong, well, <laughs> I'm yeah. wrong. Yeah. I just, to, to, to dump trash out your car window like just that. Just dump. I mean, and then people will empty their ashtrays and know. all of oh. that nasty. I've seen them throw dirty diapers out. Uh, oh, yeah. Are you serious? That is just ridiculous. I I don't understand. Just keep a bag it. in your car. Yeah, just keep a bag in your car. Not too lazy. Oh, it's it's the just easy solution. Yeah, and, and that's what I was talking about. How do you change people's thinking? Mm-hmm. You're not going to legislate that. No, you're not going to fix them. They don't care. Sad. Mike and McCarty, 1017 FM. One zero one seven FM seven ten Keel Mike and McCarty and on the Jack Spring Electric Newsmaker Hotline DOTD Secretary Sean Wilson joining us and I know you're you're on a tight schedule Doctor Wilson thanks for your time this morning happy to be here thanks for the invitation to visit with you today yeah your last three days as Secretary of DOTD uh, I know you're on the way you out nailed it. but you are you nailed out. It. yes you you are. Um, Open, they opened the bids for our Jimmy Davis Bridge and the Linear Park yesterday. Whopping numbers popped out. Were you stunned by how high, and can you describe what, what, what you learned? Look, I am never stunned by what we see in this very volatile market. Um, we knew it was going to be more than what we anticipated. 
uh, in full transparency, we were looking at about 225 to 230 million is what we thought that we would see. But remember, we don't bid these projects or we don't price these projects like the contractors do. We rely on the contractors to give us the prices that they get from industry. And so being so significantly higher than uh, where our estimate was, we've had that all along. I mean, these types of overages have come in for the last six to nine months, if not longer, uh, but not on big projects because we don't let these kinds of projects that often. Um, I will tell you, I don't see that there's going to be um, any reason for these prices to come down anytime sooner. Um, and as you all know, uh, Aaron, we have talked about this bridge for far too long, and I want to do everything I can to try and close the gap. And that's the governor's commitment. That's my commitment. I know that's uh, Senator Peacock's commitment. Uh, we have worked with him for years on this, and we are too close to not cross the finish line. So, so where do you get the extra um, money? You, you, 225 the bids came in at 360 Where's the extra money coming from? You got it in your back pocket on the way out? Oh, I wish I had it in my back pocket, but listen, there's, there's resources available. Um, remember, the bipartisan infrastructure law that Senator Cassidy and Congressman Carter uh, helped pass uh, is providing us about a billion dollars for bridges over the next five years. Um, those are real resources that we can allocate a percentage of that uh, to this project because this project is going to take about five years to build. The reality is I can't use all of it on that one bridge because of our huge bridge needs all across the state. So that's going to be a part of the solution. Um, I think we're going to have to work with the governor and the legislature to try and get some additional capital outlay. I think there's an opportunity to get some additional um, surplus money that's available. Um, and again, there's opportunities for us in the future to get what's called redistribution, recognizing that we do big projects all the time. We haven't let any in this market like this. We have an ability to cash manage and manage those expectations with a firm commitment to get these projects done. That's what we've done all across Louisiana, and that's what we will do for uh, this particular bridge. Okay. Go ahead. Talking with Dr. Sean Wilson, DOTD Secretary. Dr. Wilson, I, I, I like this idea of this linear park. I think it's something unique. I think it could be a positive thing for our area. But I'd like to see some, some proposed drawings or some plans. Is there some way? Do you have any of those published that people can get an idea of what we're looking at? Um, we, we don't have those as of yet because in the process, Remember, we had a competition, and we didn't want to have a competition of ideas to drive uh, the specifics of this selection process. And so we've allocated a certain amount of money and will require engagement with the public uh, locally to be able to do that. You've got several years. That's not going to be the first thing that we do. That's going to be the last thing that we're going to do. And so you've got about a six- to nine-month window for engineering, maybe even a little longer for the four-lane bridge. And then immediately once that gets going, the firm will be able to start on the outreach and discussions in the community over the next year or so uh, beyond that time. Uh, so you're talking about a two-year window to be able to work on what those plans are and maybe even longer. Remember, we've got to build the first four-lane structure first, and then we have to do some rehabilitation, and then you do the work on the linear park. And so you've got lots of lead time for design. That is not the major driver in the cost differential, by the way. Remember, we're dealing with everything from concrete costs, steel costs, workforce challenges, um, 
you know, those are long lead items that are real volatile and moving all across the board right now. So the linear park is a very small piece of what that difference is. I know there are going to be people that are saying we drove the price up because of that. And that's just not the case. You're talking about a $10 million, $15 million differential, not the 150 to $200 million differential that you see. So it's the main line structure as well as the repair work. So um, you will get that in time, and it's going to need the input of the public to make it the right way. We don't have a preconceived notion other than we think the concept makes sense, and we know it works in other places. We've seen it. We've visited them. Uh, and the public will make those decisions around that. And then the state parks, uh, with their partnership, is going to assume the responsibility for maintaining it after it's done. Dr. Wilson, the, the bids came in. They're they're high, but you accept them and you expect to make a deal with this company and move forward and not reject these bids and and move move ahead. Is that the plan? Well, well look, I will tell you, um, our commitment is to deliver the project. We're going to do our due diligence. We've never just blatantly said we're going to accept a project because there's a process that we go through and review the estimate for uh, responsiveness and go out and look to make sure that there's nothing inappropriate or just blatantly wrong from what we see in the market. And remember, we monitor the prices and the unit costs of these things on a regular basis. So there's a way for us to go to say, look, these guys are trying to rip us off. I don't think that's happening. I don't think that's the process. I think this is the real market forces that we see. And if we have the confidence that we can close the gap, we will accept that bid. That is what we want to do. That is the intentions of the department. That's the intentions of the governor. I can't tell you today that we have that difference already closed, Mm -hmm. but I can tell you we've got the tools and the roadmap to get there, and it's just a matter of pulling all the forces together to make it happen. Talking with Dr. Sean Wilson, DOTD Secretary. Dr. Wilson, we know you've got three days left in office, so uh, speculation is a run for the governor's mansion. What, What are your plans that you can share with us? Well, let me just speculate that I have had an amazing career here at DOTD over the last uh, seven years as secretary, over 15 years here at the department, and I'll be retiring with 26 years. Um, And I will be making an announcement, but I'm not going to do it today. Um, The most important thing is you can judge my record and my history uh, to make a decision about whatever I do going forward. And um, I have just thoroughly enjoyed this job. Um, Aaron's my friend. Uh, We've talked a long time. I remember that might have been one of the first interviews I did in Shreveport. Um, And while we always don't agree, we are always respectful and honest. And I will tell you, this has been the hardest decision I've had to make uh, to retire at 53 um, after 25 and a half years of hard service. Um, I love what I do. I've said to Aaron before that public service is a ministry for me, mm-hmm. and uh, I have just been blessed to have some of the most amazing people to work with, whether they're employees, whether they're legislators, whether they're folks in the communications industry like you all. Um, it's just been a joy serving all across Louisiana, and I am extremely proud of what we've been able to do at Barksdale, at Jimmy Davis, on I-49, on a host of projects. Mm-hmm. Um, there's no corner of this state that's left untouched. Uh, during my administration as secretary, and I am very proud that we have changed the face of Louisiana for the better. And I think the department is better than it was when I found it, and I just pray to God that it will be even better uh, under uh, the next leader who's going to finish these 10 months with John Bell, uh, Governor Edwards, I should say, and um, and then who knows what's next. Yeah, uh, Full transparency, you are sitting on a plane in Atlanta. Um, where are you headed? Are you job hunting? Are you no, are you vacationing? 
I am not vacationing. I am still on the state's dime. I am actually headed to the Ashto Spring Meeting. Um, I am, it's the actual winter briefing. Uh, it's where all of the state DOTs come together in Washington, that we spend time with our congressional delegation, uh, that we hear from Secretary Buttigieg. I'll be visiting with him tomorrow. Um, and we speak to those who are really running and administering government in the world of transportation. As you know, I was president of this organization, uh, the first one from Louisiana, the first African-American in 107-year history. And um, there's no better place for me to end my term than with those folks who help make a capstone. I will tell you, I am greatly disappointed uh, because I'm sitting here with a mask on on this plane. Um, I was uh, tested positive uh, over the weekend. I have just finished my quarantine. And so my retirement party was canceled. Oh, my really? last cabinet meeting was canceled. Um, but I look forward to spending time with my employees and telling them thank you for their work and support over the years. They have just been absolutely amazing. And uh, rightfully so, uh, I want to have closure with them. And so I do look forward to re- rescheduling my retirement uh, social. And you, Aaron, and uh, Mike are invited to Thanks. participate. Cool. Uh, if you all want to come down to Baton Rouge, I had hoped to making tours all around Shreveport, but uh, not just Shreveport, but all of the districts, and that's mm-hmm. just not possible. So right. uh, I would love to see you to say thank you for giving me the opportunity to speak to your listeners mm-hmm. um, and holding me accountable, because I think in every step of the way, I've risen to that occasion, and well, my you, story hasn't changed. You know, if, the, if you're running for governor, you know my door's always open, sir. Appreciate your time. Well, listen, if I run for governor, I might need more than your door. I might need your vote and support, <laughs> but... Uh, that's an, look, and that's not an indication of anything other than me telling you uh, that that's what I'm talking about. Gotcha. Dr. Sean Wilson, D- uh, DOTD Secretary, I've enjoyed getting to know you and uh, wish you the best of luck in whatever you decide, sir. Safe travels. Well, well, absolutely. Listen, thank you for not doing like that other guy, Robert, and messing up the DOTD name. I always enjoy <laughs> innovations that he talked about so you're much better than he is no 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 we're gonna play that quote forever play forever thank you sean you safe travels my friend take care bye-bye thank you bye-bye what 1017 FM 710, Keel, Mike and McCarty, and uh, we got a message on the Shreveport Security Systems message board. I thought we were going to hear the dressing down this morning. We've had a very busy morning, haven't been able to get to it. Uh, uh, John Glover, mm-hmm. local political activist, a very respectful member of our community, was uh, addressing the city council and got, uh, as Lovett Fuller said, dressed down. Yeah. Because she said something that James Green didn't agree with. Mm -hmm. And so Aaron did put that together, and we've got that. There is one situation that I need input from. Don't know when I'll get it, but I hope it's before tomorrow. And that's the issue of you all electing the clerk of council. What process or procedure will you undertake? Will it be the chairman who chooses? He chose the last one. So we need to be mindful of what we're doing. We need to make sure that those that we are contemplating, considering, are indeed equipped to do that job in its entirety. Though on-the-job training may not be a bad thing, when Mr. Thompson was here, those who were under his tutelage did well in learning that job. Ms. Ms. Smith didn't have that. She came in October. So I'm not sure exactly what it was or what it is that that really constituted her wanting to walk away, 
don't really care about the allegations that were made, but just want us to get this city back on, its, on the right track. We can't do it with division and divisiveness. We have to be willing to work collectively, cohesively, and not thinking we gave you a blank check, because we didn't. Because voices like myself will be raised when we don't agree with something that you all may put before us, thinking that we won't address. You know, again, I learned so much under this new administration, sad to say, but I did and do, because they actually tell me what these different ordinances are that's going to be coming up for the next reading or the next vote. We didn't get that at first. I asked a number of times, what is the purpose of the administrative conference in the first place? Is it a work session or is it just somewhere we come and listen that folks just read or disregard and do whatever they want to do? At the end of the day, we all must remember, we the people hired you all through our vote. And yes, though you represent districts, you represent we the people. Thank you. Ms. Glover. Yes. Uh, who is Ms. Smith? Kendra. I'm sorry, Joseph. I apologize for the last name. I apologize. And the next thing is, I did not, if you go back and read the records, I did not select the last clerk. I believe if the record would serve, I believe she got seven votes from up here. Okay. Thank you. Excuse me. Thank you. Wait a minute. Thank you. Being rude is not Ma'am, thank I'm done. Thank you. Oh, so you Just get to be rude, seat. and that's okay. Thank you. Let me explain something. Thank something. you. No, don't explain. Yes, you just I would. did it. Take your seat. Let me explain this. For four years, this council has honored you. For the last four years, not a council member up here interrupt you. We allow you to come up and speak to us if though you are a grandmama. We've done that for four years. We have not said nothing. You come up here, you speak, you treat us like we some grandchildren of yours. Every time you come up here, you point your finger and you telling us this and you tell. We never interrupt you. But when you go back to your seat, when each of us talk, you make gestures, you, you talk out loud, you are very disrespectful, but you want respect. Even now, I stood, sit here, listen to you, didn't make no gestures, didn't say nothing. But then when it comes to you, Ms. Glover, you always go back to your seat. I have to hit the hammer. That's very disrespectful. But when somebody say something to you, then you're like our grandmama. Then you want to say, y'all children don't have anything to say to me. Everybody up here was elected to do a job. Everybody up here does a good job. We do the best we can with what we got. Everybody up here, when they were elected, we got more than 400 votes. We've been up here for a while, and we are doing our job. And so when you say James Green selected the last uh, clerk, that's not true. But the public will believe that. And I always know that I don't care what you write about me. I don't care none about whatever is written about me because the people look at who is doing the writing. And so I'm up here doing the best I can, and I have just reached my point that every week, every week, for four years, and this is going on five, you have never stood there with love in your heart. 
It's always something damning us that we ain't doing this. Every council member up here, not one, has ever disrespected you. And it's about high time that somebody else say something to say, Miss Glover, will you come one Sunday, one day with love in your heart to say, at least just say, y'all walked up there right. At least. Because every council member up here for four years and the new ones are doing as hard as they can. Every council member can testify that we work together to make this city better. Now, you may not see it. We gave every department everything they needed to make this city better. And every time you come up here, then it's got to be some negative and it's got to be some bad. Now, if you go over to, if I see you over at the sheriff's office telling him about your tax dollar, and if I see you at the coroner's office and the DA office and all, over at the judges and all of those folks, I feel much better. But down here, you can be on TV. If you go to them, you're not going to be on TV. So I just reached my point that I, I've had enough. I'm not your grandchild. I'm an elected official. And I just expect that you don't have to like me. We don't have to go eat. We don't have to go fishing. But when you come in here, I just demand... One oh one seven FM seven ten Q. We're up against the clock. Bad. Oh, today. sorry. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Micah McCarty, and uh, coming up here in just a matter of moments, we've got State Senator Barrow Peacock going to join us on the Jack Spring Electric Newsmaker Hotline, uh, talking about the Jimmy Davis Bridge Bridge Project. Mm-hmm. That's coming up next. Stay with us. One one seven FM seven ten Keel Mike and McCarty on the Jack Spring Electric Newsmaker Hotline. State Senator Barrow Peacock. Good morning, Barrow. Thanks for joining us this morning. Good morning, Mike. Good morning, Aaron. I'm glad you're back in the studio, um, making things work right. Thank you, sir. You well, opened you, you opened the bids <laughs> yesterday. <laughs> I agree with you, but you don't have to point it out. <laughs> You opened the bids yesterday for the Jimmy Davis Bridge, uh, a big day, but man, the numbers were way higher than we expected. Were you stunned? Well, absolutely, I was stunned. That was a that was a big number, but in visiting a little bit afterwards with the um, team that won James Construction, they explained that they have backed up all their numbers with what the costs truly are. That they had firm costs on their rebar. That they have firm costs on their concrete and asphalt. And I think one thing we need to realize, this is more than just the bridge. This is the entrance all the way to Jimmy Davis Bridge back from 71, making that entire area more efficient and and um, to leave the congestion of the 30,000-plus vehicles a day that go through that area. Um, I'm optimistic. You know, um, I think if you read the press release from DOTD, this is a project that DOTD and the state of Louisiana, they want to do it. We want this. And you're still hearing, we're going to find a way to close that gap. That means 
we're going to do it the right way. Let's not cut corners. Let's do it and have something that we can be proud of. Let's bring sunshine back to the Jimmy Davis Bridge. Uh, Barrow, there are those in, that say, you know what, this is way too expensive. Uh, this is a waste of money. What, you know, no, no, it's no. going to be. A, not, oh, I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm opening it up to you. Uh, okay. I think it's going to be. I think it's going to be a positive thing for our area. I'm actually. I well, actually like the concept. But what do you say to those who who say we can spend three hundred million dollars better for our area? No, the Jimmy Davis Bridge right now has served its useful life. It is functionally obsolete. You need a new bridge with four lanes with shoulders. You, just this past weekend, there was a concert at the Bozier Grocery Arena. There was a wreck on top of the bridge. You cannot get around a wreck because there's no shoulders. That's why you need a new four-lane bridge with shoulders to make it work correctly for the safety of the um, the, the drivers who go across that bridge daily. So it needs to be done this way. Well, I don't, I don't always, think they're talking you know, about the new four-lane bridge. I think they're talking more about the linear park concept. Well, as, as Secretary Wilson, um, just in his interview, said that is not what's driving the cost up on this project, is the linear park. Um, that is something that I think that we have to realize. There's sometimes we have to figure out how we can do a project, and we have to work with others to make it work. And I think that's something that our area has done from both parishes, Caddo and Bossier, the city of Bossier, the city of Shreveport, the Catabosa Port, um, Lieutenant Governor Nungesser and State Parks, the Secretary Wilson and DOTD, and Governor Edwards. This is a team effort, and I think everybody wants to make this successful and go through with this project. Um, you know, we, the price is high. I'm going to work with them to figure out how we as a legislature, whether it's capital outlay, whether it's allocating our surplus, could it be the taking the $100 million from the inner city connector? No, I don't believe that's something that we need to do. You know, I, I, that's something that we always do in our area. I think we try to say we can only do this or that. We need to realize that we can do more than one project. I-49 is extremely important. The Jimmy Davis Bridge is extremely important. There are projects all over the state that are important. Costs are just going up. Okay, Barrow, we're talking to, to Sen store. Senator Barrow Peacock. Um, what what is what do you envision as the management of the linear park? We had uh, Lieutenant Governor Nungesser on saying it's going to be a state park, but you guys are going to have to you know pick up the trash and close the gates. What do you envision this park being? How how long? How many hours is it open every day? What's your hope? I think this is a partnership. It will be a state park, and that is to help us locally not have the long-term liability of needing capital outlay in the future of painting or doing stuff, but a partnership with local law enforcement and public works to say, pick up the trash, close the gates, make sure it's secure to where things are not being done there that shouldn't be happening. And that's where that partnership has really come together. And I appreciate Lieutenant Governor working with us, and I appreciate how Bossier City and Shreveport and the parishes have stepped up to say, we're going to make this happen. Well, do you envision some green space up there? Do you envision, obviously, bike lanes? What about bungee jumping? Uh, I mean, what else could be up no, there? I don't, know. I, I don't know about bungee, but I think if you see what happens in Nashville or Waco, 
this connectivity of the Teague Parkway um, pedestrian path and the, and the Clyde Fant pedestrian, this connects our communities. And from the bicyclists and joggers, this is something that can work. It's something that we can be proud of, and it's a way that we make this project work. We have to realize we want this to work. We have to figure out a way to make it work, and the linear park is part of that project because that are the guidelines that we have to do within the federal government. Yeah, that's a that's a great point because there are already uh, walking and bike trails along each parkway, and connecting those via the the linear park that's a, that's a great idea. Yeah, if you go to Dallas, you've got the Katy Trail going right through the middle of Dallas. I think connectivity is important for our cities to do. I think that's something we need to do more along Bayou Pierre. I think it's something that needs to be done along our rail lines that are no longer being used. And I think it's really something that is tourism. If you look at Colorado, how they have put these trails all through the area in Benville, Arkansas, trails are something that sell people. It's quality of life, and it's something that I think our citizens will enjoy. And it's healthy. It's what we need to be doing. We need to be getting outdoors and doing exercise. Mm -hmm. Senator Barrow-Peacock, thanks for your time this morning. We appreciate it, sir. Thank you. Mm -hmm. Thanks, Barrow. 1017 FM, 710 Kiel. One oh one seven FM seven ten keel. Ooh, and we might kill each other today. This could be the day. <laughs> Did I cross the line? No, you didn't. You, like, didn't. Yeah. you didn't. Dang, not yet. Not yet. <laughs> if I do this. He asked me a minute ago, are you my wife? It's a work wife thing. When did I yeah. marry you? Yeah, when did I marry you? <laughs> Ordered me to do something yeah. <laughs> that I that I did, by yeah. the way. Yeah. Um I'm looking forward this I I my favorite time of year is fall. Love fall. Mm-hmm. It's just my favorite time of year. Football, uh, the cooler weather. Yes. It's just the fireplaces going. Love, but spring, sp- spring's a close coming up because yeah. there's so much going on. Crawfish season. Oh, yeah. F1. It's race week. Mm-hmm. My F1. azaleas have started to bloom. It's so cool. I'm excited. I've got grass. I've got told my wife, I said, I've got to get the lawnmower out. Uh oh. But also, one of my favorite, the Barksdale Air Force Base Air Show. That's right. Yes. I think the Blue Angels are coming. Blue Angels are coming. Ooh, yeah. Ooh, and, and, of yeah. course, they've got so many displays. Uh, I remember as a kid going out there, climbing all over the aircraft. Oh, gosh, yeah. Um, that's just one of our favorite things. And mm-hmm. and, and with with those, those restrictions, uh, health restrictions having been lifted, and uh, I'm surprised they didn't try to do the air show as a as – a, a, virtual a, a, yeah yeah as a, <laughs> exactly. a team's meeting or something right right uh, yeah look at this video mm-hmm. but uh I, I i'm that's one of our favorite things and i'm looking forward to well you know we have some great things in this area we do we really for for uh the town ta- the size town we are to have the symphony and the opera and barksdale and the rose i mean i could go on and on and on it's a great place to live. It really is. We have things wrong that we're hopefully we're working on them, but we we have a lot of <laughs> great things. things. Have you been to the aquarium yet? Speaking of which, I was early on when they first opened it. I yeah. haven't seen it lately, and everybody says you need to go back. They've made a lot of changes, and I haven't seen the updated uh, Cyport either, which I need to see. 
but I but I need to go. There's lots of cool things. I was able to work at Cyport when they had the Titanic artifact exhibition come mm, into town. Nice. And it was here for like what a month, I think. Yeah. A long mm-hmm. time. And I was Captain Smith from the Titanic. You're perfect for that. As an actor inside the exhibition. Oh, cool. And Aaron, I got into character, spoke. I learned a lot about it. I already been a Titanic buff. Me, I love it. People looked at me at one point as if I were Captain Smith. I had <laughs> a lady go, well, well, when you saw the... <laughs> It's like, oh, of course, yeah. I have to maintain character, but it's like, right. I wasn't really there, lady. Uh, it wasn't me. Yeah, he's, <laughs> was, he's dead. That was a compliment in my book, but yeah. it was so much fun. Yeah, great things in our community. Yeah. So much. And I'm I'm looking forward to going to Norton. As the azaleas are starting to bloom, I'm going to go by Norton, and I just love driving through there and just sitting out and, you know, relaxing. Can I bring a bottle of wine in there? Take an Adirondack chair out there. Oh, that's a good idea. (laughs) You're not allowed to do that, by the way. No horses allowed at Norton. No professional photography. Just a heads up. They don't allow that anymore. anymore. Used to could. People would take their Easter photos and stuff. If you're doing it, like, individually... Uh, you can, but if you hire a professional photographer, they know they're not allowed to do that. I think they have to have a special permit, special permissions to do all that. Because they were people What's bringing horse, people were bringing horses onto their property oh. and leaving big ruts. Are you serious? And sheep and goats, and it was getting out of hand, <laughs> really bad. Oh, enjoy this Wednesday, middle of the week. It's all downhill from here. Mike and McCarty, one hundred one seven FM, seven ten Keel.